This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Today's reading by Kelly Clear, October 6th, 2006, in Indiana, USA. Chapter 19 Diamond's Friends one day when old diamond was standing with his nose in his bag between pall mall and cockspur street and his master was reading the newspaper on the box of his cab which was the last of a good many in a row little diamond got down for a run for his legs were getting cramped with sitting and first of all he strolled with his hands in his pockets up to the crossing where the girl and her broom were to be found in all weathers just as he was going to speak to her a tall gentleman stepped upon the crossing he was pleased to find it so clean for the streets were muddy and he had nice boots on so he put his hand in his pocket and gave the girl a penny but when she gave him a sweet smile in return and made him a pretty curtsy he looked at her again and said where do you live my child Pedice row she answered next door to the adam and eve down the area whom do you live with he asked more wicked old granny she replied you shouldn't call your granny wicked said the gentleman but she is said the girl looking up confidently in his face if you don't believe me you can come and take a look at her the words sounded rude but the girl's face looked so simple that the gentleman saw she did not mean to be rude and became still more interested in her still you, you shouldn't say so he insisted shouldn't i everybody calls her wicked old granny even them's that's wicked as her you should hear her swear there's not a like it in the row indeed i assure you sir there's not a one of them can shut my granny up once she begins to get right a going you must put her in a passion first you know no good do you do that she's so old now how she do make them laugh to be sure Although she called her wicked, the child spoke so as plainly to indicate pride in her granny's preeminence in swearing. The gentleman looked very grave to hear her, for he was sorry that such a nice little girl should be in such bad keeping. But he did not know what to say next, and stood for a moment with his eyes on the ground. When he lifted them, he saw the face of Diamond looking up at his. "'Play, sir,' said Diamond. A granny's very cruel to her sometimes, and shuts her out in the streets at night if she happens to be late. Is this your brother? asked the gentleman of the girl. No, sir. How does he know your grandmother, then? He does not look like one of her sort. Oh, no, sir. He's a good boy. Quite. Here she tapped her forehead with her finger in a significant manner. "'What do you mean by that?' asked the gentleman, while Diamond looked on, smiling. "'The cabbies call him God's baby,' she whispered. "'He's not right in the head, you know. A tire loose.' Still, Diamond, though he heard every word and understood it too, kept on smiling. What could it matter what people called him, so long as he did nothing he ought not to do? And besides, God's baby was surely the best of names.' well my little man and what can you do 
asked the gentleman, turning towards him, just for the sake of saying something. Drive a cab, said Diamond. Good. And what else? he continued, for, accepting what the girl had said, he regarded the still sweetness of Diamond's face as a sign of silliness, and wished to be kind to the poor little fellow. There's a baby, said Diamond. Well, and what else? Clean father's boots. Make him a bit of toast for his tea. You're a useful little man, said the gentleman. What else can you do? Not much that I know of, said Diamond. I can't carry a horse, except somebody puts me on his back, so I don't count that. Can you read? No, but mother and father can, and they're going to teach me some day soon. Well, here's a penny for you. Thank you, sir. And when you've learned to read, come to me, and I'll give you sixpence and a book with fine pictures in it. Please, sir, where am I to come? asked Diamond, who was too much of a man of the world not to know that he must have the gentleman's address before he could go and see him. You're no such silly, thought he, as he put his hand in his pocket and brought out a card. There, he said, your father will be able to read that and tell you where to go. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir, said Diamond, and put the card in his pocket. The gentleman walked away, but turning round a few paces off, saw Diamond give his penny to the girl, and walking slower, heard him say, I've got a father and mother and little brother, and you've got nothing but a wicked old granny. You may have my penny. The girl put it beside the other in her pocket, the only trustworthy article of dress she wore. Her grandmother always took care that she had a stout pocket. Is she as cruel as ever? asked Diamond. Much the same, but I gets more coppers now that I used to, and I can get summers to eat and take browns enough home besides to keep her from grumbling. It's a good thing she's so blind, though. Why? asked Diamond. Cause if she was as sharp in the eyes as she used to be, she would know that I never ate her broken widows, and then she'd know as I must get something elsewhere's. Doesn't she watch you, then? Course she do. Don't she just? But I make believe and drop it in my lap, and then itch it onto my pocket. What will she do if she found you out? She never give me no more. But she don't want it. Yes, I do want it. What do you do with it, then? Give it to Cripple Jim. Who's Cripple Jim? Boy in the row. His mother broke his leg when he were a kid, so he'd never come to much. But he's a good boy, is Jim, and I love him dearly. Always keeps a penny for Jim, leastways as often as I can. But there are more sweep again, for them bosses make no end of dirt. Diamond! Diamond! called his father, who was afraid he might get no good by talking to the girl, and Diamond obeyed and got up again upon the box. He told his father about the gentleman and what he had promised him if he would learn to read, and showed him the gentleman's card. Why, it's not many doors from the mews, said his father, giving him back the card. Take care of it, my boy, for it might lead to something. God knows in these odd times a man wants as many friends as he's ever likely to get. Haven't you got friends enough, father? asked Diamond. Well, I've no right to complain, but the more the better, you know. Just let me count, said Diamond. 
and he took his hands from his pockets and, spreading out the fingers of his left hand, began to count, beginning at the thumb. "'There's mother first, then Bybee, then me. Then there's old Diamond and the cab. Now, I won't count the cab, for it never looks at you, and when Diamond's out of the shafts, it's nobody. Then there's the man that drinks next door, and his wife, and his baby.' "'They're no friends of mine,' said his father. "'Well, they're friends of mine,' said Diamond. His father laughed. "'Much good they'll do you,' he said. "'How do you know they won't?' returned Diamond. "'Well, go on,' said his father. "'Then there's Jack and Mr. Stonecrop, and, dearie me, not to have mentioned Mr. Coleman and Mrs. Coleman and Miss Coleman and Mrs. Crump, and then there's a clergyman that spoke to me in the garden that day the tree was blown down. "'What's his name?' "'I don't know his name.' "'Where does he live?' "'I don't know.' "'How can you count him, then?' "'He did talk to me, and very kind-like, too.' His father laughed again. "'Why, child, you're just counting everybody you know. "'That don't make him friends.' "'Don't it? I thought it did. "'Well, but they shall be my friends. I shall make them. "'Or will you do that?' "'They can't help themselves, then, if they would. "'If I choose to be their friend, you know, they can't prevent me. "'Then there's that girl at the crossing.' "'Fine sin of friends you do have to be sure, Diamond.' "'Surely she's a friend anyhow, father. "'If I hadn't been for her... You had never got Mrs. Coleman and Miss Coleman to carry home. His father was silent, for he saw that Diamond was right, and was ashamed to find himself more ungrateful than he thought. Then there's a new gentleman, Diamond went on. If he do as he say, interposed his father. Why shouldn't he? I dare say sixpence ain't too much for him to give. But I don't quite understand, father. Is nobody your friend but the one who does something for you? No, won't say that, my boy. You would have to leave out Baby, then. Oh, no, I shouldn't. Baby can laugh in your face and crow in your ears and make you feel so happy. Call you that nothing, father? The father's heart was fairly touched now. He made no answer to this last appeal, and Diamond ended off with saying, And there's the best of mine to come yet, and that's you, Daddy. Except it be Mother, you know. You're my friend, Daddy, ain't you? And I'm your friend, ain't I? And God for us all, said his father, and then they were both silent, for that was very solemn. End of chapter 19 At the Back of the North Wind by George MacDonald